Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Aloha, joining us today, we have Kristen and Aaron. Are you there? Yeah, we are. This is Kristen and Aaron. Hi, thanks for joining today. Would you mind, please, by starting uh, and giving an introduction for the listeners? Sure. Go ahead, Kristen. Okay. Um, okay, so this is Kristen. I've been a BCBA for five years. Um, one of the co-admins for Confessions of a Behavior Analyst. And um, what yeah, else are you going to say about What am I? Introductions are so awkward. Introductions are so hard. <laughs> I'm in a PhD program at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, uh, PhD in ABA. Got two kids. 17 and 9, uh, one's on the spectrum, um, and so I've got, you know, some unique experiences there that a lot of other behavior analysts can usually relate to. Other than that, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty basic. Is it my turn? You're the, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so this is Erin. Uh, just so you all know, my pronouns are they and them. Uh, so I've been a behavior analyst since 2014. Uh, for a while, I worked in autism services and then uh, pivoted out of that, and currently I'm an adjunct faculty member at Capella and then Shenandoah University, which is a small university in Winchester, Virginia. Um, I provide BCBA supervision uh, within the states and then internationally as well. Um, You're co-admin. Co-admin. I'm the other admin, the other part of the uh, Confessions of a Behavior Analyst uh, Facebook group. Uh, and yeah, uh, thanks for having us. Thanks for joining the call today. And Erin, I I just want to mention, I just think it's incredible. We were all laughing at something that you said that was hilarious at ADAI, and you said you're going to text it to me, so I don't, I won't forget. Or I asked you to send it to me. I, I don't want to forget that. And then through that, when I got your phone number, we found out we had another interesting connection in our past um, related okay. to West Virginia. I just thought, man, that was so cool. Small world smaller field. <laughs> For real. Yeah, yeah. We found out we went to the same college, but we were there, I think it was within a year of each other, right? Um, I Yeah, Maybe I think not. so. Maybe. Yeah, what year were you? So, Shepherd University, what year were you there? Mm, it was a while ago. Let's see, 2002. Yeah, it was there 2003 to 2004. That's so. right, because we were so close, and we knew a yeah. lot of the same people yeah. last from my past. I know, it was so cool. That was that was one of my favorite like ABAI interactions. I think was making that because it's such a small connection. It's awesome. Very small town. For anyone who doesn't know, it was like 1,200 people. Uh, there was a four-way stop, no traffic light. So to find someone in our field, you know, 20 years later, who had that connection almost at the same time was just hilarious. It was it was an <laughs> incredible moment. So I yep. like that we have that in common. Today, um, I had asked you to join the call, Aaron and Kristen, and had said, talk about something that you're passionate about. And you had mentioned having recently attended an ACT boot camp and had described it as life-changing. So I was hoping maybe we could start there. Sure. Do you, do you want to start or do you want me to start? That's <laughs> how we bounce ideas off each other. I know. Good. Yeah, I can start. Uh, so we actually attended the ACT boot camp in Baltimore in October of last year. So Rounding out almost a year, which it feels like it's been a lot longer because it was definitely life-changing for both of us um, individually and, um, you know, together, what we work on together. And I guess what we wanted to talk about today was just 
um, the a conversation on values because that's what's been most influential and in some of the things that we're doing in the direction um, that we lead our lives and the group, the Facebook group, obviously. Um, so, yeah. So, so yeah, and, and for me, because we talk about, like, individually, so, um, I mean, if any of you know ACT, there's the Hexaflex and there's, you know, the the, um, the six kind of domains of, of ACT, but uh, values is one that I really connected with because I hadn't clarified what those values, like my personal individual values were. Uh, and so I think it was maybe a month after that, Kristen had sent me, I think it was even a text, and you're like, what are your top five values? <laughs> and and I, I kind of like... I was doing a lot of values exploration at the time, but I, you know, even coming off of that uh, experience and had been thinking about that, that like I froze and I didn't, I was like, I have no idea. Like I couldn't conceptualize all of that. So um, I think in the moment I started listening off, off some things, but from that came like this massive, almost like I use concept maps a lot. And so there's these big like overarching values that I have and then um, like little ones that are kind of connected to that, but then they overlap and it's a big mess. And, but, um, but everything that from that point on that I do, um, and I think you do too, Kristen, is like, uh, it is driven through those values and in, in, it's it's a process, right? And so everything that we do is moving in the direction of those values or we attempt to. Right, and you know one of the key differences between values and goals, which is I, you, oh, I'm still pretty goal oriented, um, but heavily goal oriented before, is that values are a direction. You know, it's the direction that you want to go, and it, there's no end point. Where a goal is something you can eventually tick off. Um, you, you never reach the end of of your value. You're just every single day you've got these opportunities to make decisions, and so when you're making those decisions, is it in alignment with your values? Well, is it out of alignment? Maybe it's it's in conflict with two different values, um, and but just keeping that at the forefront of those decisions. And so, what are your hang on? What are your top five values? Oh, don't do this to me! <laughs> Come on, you, I have to get my iPad. You can't you can't rattle them off. Um, no, some of them: authenticity, being true to who I am, and um, representing myself in a way that is. <laughs> okay, representing myself in a way that is um, honest and authentic, and then learning is obviously a major value. Uh, lifelong learning. Um, gosh, what else? What else? Compassion, kindness. Those two kind of go together, uh, and how I treat other people, and, and in my personal life and professional life, we overlap a lot. We do. I know. We do. We actually have values, like together values, values yeah. that we've established um, in everything that we do together. And we talk about those regularly. And when we're making big decisions, we use those as well. Values. Um, I'm glad that you started to rattle some off because I was I was like, oh, no, they're going to ask me. I'm going to be really <laughs> right on top of this. Like, I need some examples, and I'm wondering yeah. if other people – we're thinking that maybe as they listen to it, of course, they wouldn't be put on the spot so much. But, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, for me, you know, what are the messages that my parents taught me that I am always like, you know, my mom always said, and I have a really positive relationship with both my mother and father. And I think that's a good way for me to start thinking, like, what are those values? What are those things that repeat a lot? 
And um, for me, a big one is is honesty and the authenticity. I really resonated, uh, Kristen, when you shared that as well. And you talked about together goals, or excuse me, together values and some individual values. And of course, there's a lot of overlap. Um, are there some that are unique to that joint venture that you have, or how have you taken some of those shared values and used that to help direct the projects or the activities that you work on? Um, yeah, so I mean, we can kind of like pivot into talk. So, okay, so let's give some background because it'll make sense for us. So, when we started, because we're going to talk about like the group and values and, and just give an example of how within any sort of like project that you do or with anybody, um, business, uh, educational, whatever that is, um, identifying those values that you share within that and that are central to the project that you're working on um, are absolutely critical. And so, so when we, so when Chris and I met, it was at FABA in 2017, and three days later we had started this Confessions of a Behavior Analyst group because we're both very impulsive and it sounded like a cool idea, and so we just decided to do it. And for the better part of a year, um, now going back and looking at the membership graph, there weren't enough members to even register. <laughs> it just says zero. And I know there were not just zero members in that group, um, but around a little bit after the boot camp, I think, is when it really started to take off. And so I just went back and looked uh, at the post that I had made because we had sat together and started having conversation. And when this started to grow, our biggest fear was uh, getting to such a, you know, a large membership. And at that point, I think it was like 700. Like it wasn't even that big. Um, I mean, it's still pretty big. But um, worrying that things were going to kind of derail. And we're like, all right, how do we keep ourselves on track? And having gone through the boot camp, we're like, okay, that values. That's how you keep yourself on track. And then every decision that you make is based on being in alignment with those values. So I went back and I tried to find the original post that I had made uh, about our values. And that was back in December, the values for the COBA group. Sorry, Koba's Confessions of a Behavior mm -hmm. Analyst. They, they gave us an acronym for that. Uh, and I think it was back in February. But we had sat down and we had talked and, and all of these, I don't even know if I came up with like the labels. Mm -hmm. I think I just posted it. But we had identified all these things and I kind of put them into categories and then I posted it and then you read it and you're like, oh my God, this person. Yeah. Um, so our whole slogan is to be honest, to be humble, and be human. And so... Those, again, very large categories, so being honest, you know, we all kind of uh, strive to do our best, you know, and we all fail. And even just thinking as, you know, behavior analysts, but just in general, uh, and being open and being vulnerable about that and being able to share that experience in an honest um, and sincere way was really important for us, and that was kind of the foundation of why we created that group, uh, because we both have kids. And we both uh, were talking about how we felt at times we were failing our kids or we were just not being responsible behavior analysts as parents, to be honest. That's what it was. Is my kid's cursing and I'm hysterically laughing or um, letting our kids get away with something that we usually wouldn't. You know, just typical things that parents we hear constantly struggle with. And we created the group to be like this lighthearted space where people just come share videos of your kids cursing where you can't share otherwise because you're going to be judged. Um and so, like being honest and being vulnerable was really where it where it all started. Um, but from that, became, it came like being humble um, and being able to approach 
situations and, and conversations with others and somebody else's situation from like a stance of humility um, that we all need to understand the struggle because we do know the struggle and not come from this pedestal that we know like the science and the science speaks all, but it come from a place of humanity rather than, and I guess that goes into being human, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And being humble too is one of the things that originally set the confessions group apart from other Facebook groups, um, specific ABA, because I don't know about anybody else, but I didn't really post on other ABA groups at all, a zero post. Um, and it was because I had seen so many um, arguments and counter arguments and kind of lecturing or reprimanding in the comments and threads. And it just seemed like this pervasive kind of culture, online, like social media culture. And we wanted something that was very, very different from that, that, w that was supportive and honest and lighthearted um, and also maybe heavy, but with the perspective that we're being honest and humble and that everybody is a human, which is the third one. Um, you know, we're all kind of going through life. We're, we happen to be behavior analysts, so that's part of um, our worldview, but we're all just trying to do the best that we can and being compassionate and taking perspective with ourselves and with others. A value that's also really important to me is being transparent. Um, and I think that that probably goes with, with being humble and being human. Like we're going to make mistakes, but here's our intentions. And it serves as a model. So um, I wanted to circle back to and just well, thank you um, both for the group. I think the group is something that's really helpful. And it's created that environment. But you've also produced a model of what, what it looks like and how it's okay to fumble with safety, and then, you know, correct and revise and refine and reflect and share and laugh. But I also wanted to circle back to this notion that, you know, behavior analysts are always going to be using their, their techniques with their children, or in this case, maybe never <laughs> using the techniques with your children. How has taken the values-based approach or since going through the boot camp and the additional conversations you've had, have you seen that that shifted or changed any of your parenting styles or interactions? Tremendously. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think one of the things that came out of that boot camp was um, to kind of like, if, if one of, like you said, compa compassion is mm -hmm. one of your, mm -hmm. you know, five, you know, values, it's being able to reflect that value on yourself and be compassionate with yourself and give yourself um, the benefit of the doubt sometimes, you know, and, and be empathetic with yourself for the, sh the struggles that, that we have. You know, we expect behavior analysts to be able to do that with parents, and we need to be able to do that with ourselves too. Yeah, uh, for me personally, I've, I told Aaron this, this is going to be extremely uh, transparent and vulnerable and honest, but recently I told Aaron that I, reflecting back on the parenting experience that I've had with my oldest, who's 17, um, I became a parent at 17, so I did it, like, in the dark, <laughs> you know, with, like, whatever parenting books I could find, which there weren't very many, and the ones that I read were not very helpful. Um, but looking back, the most of the mistakes that I can identify now were actually not during those early years when I didn't have a clue what I was doing. It was actually as I was going through the ABA program and starting to, to learn um, some of these quote-unquote principles and, and interventions and things like extinction and um, evaluating behavior based on function, which is so valuable and it's so useful, and it's, it's every, it, that's, that is behavior, that's human interaction, that's everything, right? And I understand that now from a much broader and global and more open perspective, but at the time it was very rigid 
and my understanding was very limited. And um, so I immediately took those and I started incorporating that into my parenting, um, like strategies and techniques. And um, I, I really think I did some harm, honestly. And yeah, I can say that I did the same thing without a doubt. Yeah. 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 So part of this is just kind of like that revela- revelation of like, recognizing that and then also saying like okay so I'm not going to beat myself up over it but how like how do we move forward and that's where the act boot camp and the values directed behavior has come in um very handy yeah and if you look at the like the logo of the confessions behavior analyst group it's a heart with a data path and I think um originally when I had created it it was from like this sense of like struggle uh, you know, that we have this science and we have to stay true to the science, but I have this whole other side as a parent, as a human, um, as, you know, a partner in a relationship or whatever that is that tugs me in this other direction at times. And, and so initially it was kind of like this battle, like, you know, of, of how do I, how do I, how do I function in that same space with those two ideas? And then over time, I think it morphed into this, uh, almost like a combination of the two where having that human side and the science and merging those two, I've become a be a better behavior analyst because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not assigning um, such value as the outcomes of my kids behavior. I used to like really judge myself based on how my children presented, um, which is just so dangerous because kids mm-hmm. pick up on that real quick. <laughs> And you get yourself into a bind where now you're using all kinds of coercion and aversive strategies to try to just, you know, maintain your own sense of identity or or whatever. But um, that was definitely one of the transformations that's taken place, too, is I I attach a lot less meaning to to my children's behavior. And, you know, are they loved? Do they love others? Are they kind? Do they know their values? do they know how to handle difficult things when they come up? How do they respond when hard feelings show up? You know, those are the things that I'm looking at now. And it comes full circle. Like when you start studying RFT and that gets more into the PhD program, like private events and all of that and the origin of ACT, um, it comes full circle. And it's made the bigger, a much, much bigger difference than environmental manipulation, although that hasn't necessarily gone away, obviously. Well, another thing that I think here is through our own experiences um, as behavior analysts, we're learning and we're going to workshops and we're going to conferences and we're we're being professionals, but part of being professionals is being a human. So I guess my next question is, since you shared that you are both working and practicing as behavior analysts in different capacities, um, different roles, how has this shifted the advice that you give your students or the parents that you might be working with? Do you see a difference in your interaction styles um, at that level? Yeah, definitely. I incorporate um, ACT into all of my supervision. Part of what I do as a senior analyst uh, for PBS is work with students so or RBTs um, or other behavior analysts. And everybody, you know, I work with each one of them in a different intensity based on their needs and and my involvement on their cases and all that. But the ones that I work with regularly with standing appointments that are structured, we, I I start incorporating values, uh, exercises and discussions from the beginning. So um, it's definitely influenced the way that I, I supervise, but it's also influenced the way that I talk to parents and how I use language whenever I'm, you know, engaging with parents, whether that's direct parent coaching or just 
having a discussion about progress or whatnot. And I do the same thing with supervisees and, and students, whether it's undergrad students or graduate students. It's um, Typically, I have them doing some values-based work, you know, very early on, especially supervisees. But I think, for me, the, the conversation, um, especially for providing BCA supervision, it's not – like, obviously, we're focusing on the task list and making sure we're mastering skills and um, learning principles and things like that, but it's – taking into a larger consideration like ethical considerations or just humanity in general, whether it's cultural competencies and, and things like that to, to make a more well-rounded behavior analyst at, at the end of the process, I think. Yeah, that's definitely something that Erin and I both share in the way that we structure supervision is we're looking at a lot of the interpersonal skills um, and ability to take perspective and think critically and be open to learning and, and changing into what we hope to see our supervisees um, well, become behavior analysts with. So much of what we do, I think, as behavior analysts, and especially in the role of teaching, is to try to help establish formulas, right? Like, the situation isn't going to be black and white, usually, especially if we're talking about ethics, but does it align with your values? Is it consistent with what we, you know, wrote up as our treatment plan? Is it something that we can reflect and refine and refine and refine? So there are some really great ways in which that reflection, I think, can, of course, make us better behavior analysts and hopefully even more compassionate people. You did mention culture, and I know that we look at now there's a lot of different things when we say culture. I live in Hawaii. <laughs> I think of lots yeah. of different things, you know, maybe then um, in West Virginia. But there's a lot of cultural and other diversity that, in, that we encounter um, by being human and by being behavior analysts. And how do you how does that intersect for you, or how has that played a role in in the group and talking with other people? Like how I feel like you have been able to reach so many people with so many different backgrounds, and I'm 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 just sort of curious how you did it. So, um, so Kristen and I we provide trainings on uh, gender diversity and inclusion and affirmation. Um, to workplaces, to we've done CEU events on it. Uh, but w the first thing that we always talk about when we provide those trainings is the concept of cultural humility, and it's coming, it's it's approaching any situation, any any human interaction, um, anything from this idea that you don't understand someone else's experience. So you're you're entering a relation, an interaction, a relationship with a learner perspective, um, that you're there to learn from them and to listen rather than to put your perspective of life onto them. And so um, when I am reading posts in the group or if I'm providing to super, uh, providing supervision to somebody, um, you know, in, in like an Asian culture or the Middle East or something like that, and before I'm providing recommendations, I'm saying, okay, tell me how this works in your country. Um, or within your family or with, you know, whatever that looks like. And then, you know, within the group too, taking that into consideration and not just blanket applying opinion, but maybe asking questions to gain, to gain clarification, you know, for just learning. I mean, I think we don't, far too often we, we talk to just speak rather than to, to listen and we enter conversations not to learn, you know. Yeah, and Erin and I are very passionate about uh, gender diversity, so that's a very specific area that we focus on. Um, my oldest is transgender. Do you mind? I, I, yeah, <laughs> and I, and I, 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 that's how I identify too. Uh, you know, transgender, non-binary. 
Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm coming from the very personal experience and, um, you know, wanting to kind of change, uh, those, uh, a lot of things, society's language uh, around a very binary system that we have that's not inclusive, um, you know, and workplaces and, um, just, in just environments in general, and then you are Chris and are coming from a parent and, and ally. We use the term accomplice too because accomplice is being like action oriented, uh, but an accomplice in in that and helping promote that change as well. So just, I don't know if you want to speak to that. Yeah, yeah, that and just highlighting uh, one of my big focus areas has been um, just highlighting how little is known, and part of that's just in the the learning process for me um, and the discovery of. So many things that I was completely unaware of because of my privilege and the fact that it, there are a lot of things that I haven't had to think about um, at all. And so trying to highlight that and how it, how it influences and, and create some visibility and some space um, for diversity. Creating the space, I think, is really incredible and, and essential. And... Um, setting the tone, being a part of it. Being a model is really helpful. Um, so I really do appreciate you both speaking to that. And um, I know I'm putting you on the spot. It's like, and how did you do these things? Sometimes people <laughs> ask me and I say, well, I just got started, right? Like sometimes you just do something and then you reflect and revise and refine and hopefully move forward. Well, I wanted to take the opportunity before we end our discussion today, you guys, are, excuse me, you both have talked to uh, me about going to different workshops, different trainings, and traveling together. It seems like you've formulated a friendship outside of this, um, you know, just professional connection and the shared values. Tell, can you talk to us about some of the cool places you've been or maybe some of the other events that you've attended? Yeah, so we we actually just got back from uh, Philadelphia. Um, how many days was it? Three days? Three. It was a um, trans, uh, it's called the Trans Wellness Conference, but it was all framed around transgender wellness. And so there were a lot of, there's like a, it's free to the community. So there was a, a professional side of the track that you'd have to pay for, which gave CEUs to like med medical professionals or like um, people in like the legal field Counselor. or counselors or things like that. But then there was this whole community side um, that we went and we learned so much about in terms of like, um, for me, it was like airport safety and security and knowing your rights and um, because for me like airports are a very unsafe place and so just learning um, how to change documentation or, or things that you can um, do to protect yourself within like the airports or learning about research that's being conducted that a lot of people don't know about and being able to help kind of disseminate that but then also going and making connections um, and telling people I'm a behavior analyst this is what I do this is I've you know worked with kids with autism for quite some time and now we're pivoting into you know this or you know I am and 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 um, how can we support with our science and, and evidence-based you know single subject design research and all this stuff um, to to provide more inclusive and, and affirming environments. Um, and so that's the only one kind of outside of behavior analysis that we've done. We've got another one that we're going to go to in October. Um, we've got, we're going to FABA in, uh, in what, September? Yeah. And so we're giving two presentations there, uh, one on gender diversity, a full 50-minute um, presentation together on gender diversity, inclusion, and affirmation. Um, and then if you all are coming, go to the Ignite 
uh, is this Ignite Night? Is that what it is? And we're we're literally giving a five minute fast paced uh, presentation on being honest, being humble, and being human. We're going to play fun games, and it's going to be a blast. Um, but other than that, I mean, we're always looking for um, for ways to. I don't know, try, just disseminate, I think, and to make connections. You know, we pigeonhole ourselves so much uh, within this field, and I think, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I did it for so, so long, and it's hard to kind of extend. You're met with so many barriers when you look outside of the safe kind of confounds of, like, autism services, developmental disabilities, and, um, you know, things like that. Yeah, another thing that you've probably seen on social media is um, our time in Chicago because we're, we're in the same PhD program. We started at the same time, so that's another that that's another um, city that we go to every year. And then, of course, we try to make the most out of the conferences, ABA conferences, and um, the COBA group is just great because we're able to set up little meetups, and you know, we had a tattoo day where. We all got tattoos together, and so there's a lot of fun happening as far as social media goes and the pictures that that we put out there. I would say as far as, like, fringe groups go, like, we're probably, like, <laughs> a little bit out there. Yeah, like, we had a – there are a bunch of us that have um, matching or very similar tattoos, and we had, like, a meetup, and people are going and getting tattoos with the slogan, Be Honest, Be Humble, Be Human, on their – like, on their own or, like, the, the Confessions logo or whatever that looks like. They're painting it on their walls and – and their, um, you know, their agencies and, and clinics, and um, it's very. You want to talk about humbling? Like that is a very humbling, humbling experience to to um, to to be a part of. Thank you both for coming on today and and taking this opportunity and allowing me to help disseminate some of your message and information. And also, it's been a really fun conversation. We've covered quite a lot from values to diversity to parents. Uh, to tattoos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before yeah. we end the call today, is there any other events? I know we mentioned FABA, so the Florida Association for Behavior Analysis, for anyone who's maybe in that area. Anything else that you'd like to share or anywhere you'd like to direct our listeners to? Now is your chance. Yeah, there's a couple things. So Kristen's going to be um, in the uh, – she's on, she's rolling her eyes at me right now because she thinks it's ridiculous. But she's actually going to be speaking at the ACTU camp in Fort Lauderdale. Right, Port Lauderdale, is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, in November, so if anybody's going to that, she'll be on a panel with uh, Jonathan Tarbox. What are you all talking about? Uh, Work-life family balance. Yes, yeah. like your expertise. They have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and then if anybody's interested in, like, gender diversity trainings for, like, their workplace or resources or um, just general questions, um, please reach out to us and, um, you know, and then just on, you know, for me, like supervision is a big thing. Um, so if there's any like, you know, BCABAs or non-behavior people who are looking to, um, you know, get their certification to, um, to reach out and just inquire about supervision and, and what that looks like um, just from like being a, you know, honest, humble human. Yeah. Aaron offers a different supervisory experience and, um, you know, if anybody is interested in in receiving supervision from that perspective and learning how to engage in the field and take your values with you everywhere you go, um, including your work as a behavior analyst, then that's definitely something that they do. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. And I'd like to also update Behavior Babe's website and see if we can include some information that we've talked about today 
and if possible, I'd love to have you help me with that, both of you, um, if you're interested. You yeah, don't have to submit. Okay, I was going to say you don't have to submit publicly, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to make that offer. And then, you know, definitely for anybody who wants to continue to have these conversations and to learn more about the vastness of the field of applied behavior analysis, um, definitely do that by checking out www.behaviorbabe.com. 